Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Don't you just love worship and the fact that we can come in here and, and freely worship? Man. I needed that. I don't know about you, but I, I needed that this morning to to help me get refocused. There's so much going on, we can lose focus real easily. Um, but that song, the um, never-ending, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. You know, some of the theology police have issues with that song because they think you're talking about God's reckless. No, his love is reckless. But you think about a shepherd has 100 sheep and he loses one, well, he's still got 99, right? Too bad. But no, he leaves the 99 to search after the one. You thought, well, that's, is that, that's reckless to leave the 99 and go get, get one. Well, it's not reckless when you're the one. <laughs> and I was the one. And I'm glad he left the 99 and came looking for me because I was wandering far, far away. Ah, thank you, Lord, for the gift of worship. Mm. Okay. I need to read this better without my glasses. If you're a Christian, and I say if because I know not everybody that goes to church has truly surrendered their heart to the Lord, but if you have, or even if you haven't, if, if you've been in church at all, or you listen to some preaching, or some podcasts, or you read a Bible, Chances are good you're familiar with what we call the Great Commission, right? Jesus' last assignment to his disciples, and that includes those of us who call ourselves his, his followers. His last assignment before he ascended back to his Father in heaven was to go. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Now, make no mistake about it. He wants the nations. But just like we sang about the one leaving in 99 and going for the one. Jesus cares for the one. Look at the Bible. He cared for Zacchaeus, right? Even planted a sycamore tree for Zacchaeus, right? We're sycamores. <laughs> and um, the woman at the well, you know, uh, I mean, he cares for the one, but he wants the nations. And Jesus told his disciples, and he's telling us, all authority, not some, not most, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me so go. And, and we go as his ambassadors. We represent a kingdom not of this world. We go as his representatives. And Christ was commissioning his disciples, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there's more. He says, and teaching them, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You hear that? Because a lot of evangelism leaves that part out. We think, just get them saved. Just get them saved. Put another notch in your belt. Get them saved. But new believers, they need to be discipled. See, that was part of the issue back if you saw the movie Jesus Revolution. Hippies were getting saved left and right, but they weren't being discipled, right? And, and that's so important because Jesus right here says, teach them, teaching them everything everything I commanded you. Obey those things. That's the hard part, but, but that's part of the Great Commission. 
And then Jesus ends his great commission with these encouraging words, and I am with you always to the very end of the age, right? He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Forsakes us. But I know there's times we feel like, where are you? Where are you? So that's it. Go and make disciples. That, that could mean go across the world. A lot of people do. That could mean go across the country. A lot of people do. That could mean go across town. Go across the street. It could even mean making disciples in our own homes. Because that's where our first ministry is. I mean, what good is it? If, if we want to go save the world, if we're neglecting the people God already put in our lives. We used to have a neighbor. Before I became a Christian, this woman would pester Bobby all the time. And, and Bobby was hungry for the Lord. I wasn't. But she never knew where her kids were. All she talked about was going here and going there and, and, and preaching this and, and all this stuff, all this wonderful stuff. Nothing wrong with it. But she never knew where her kids were. I thought, there's your first ministry. I don't know a whole lot, but isn't that your first ministry, your home? Because if you screw up there, what, what difference does the rest of it make? And um, we want to go save the world, but if we're neglecting the people God already put in our lives, that's not good. So let's take better care of them first. Let's love and disciple them first. Go and make disciples is the command. And we know some churches, some individuals do a whole lot better job at that than others. And some are just gung-ho about it. I mean, that's all they want to do is go out and evangelize and, and save the world. And some succeed at that, and others try and try and try until they burn out and wonder, how, how come? What, what am I missing? So I've got to believe that before we can really be effective at obeying the Great Commission, first we have to obey the Great Commandment. See, before Jesus assigned us the Great Commission, he assigned us the Great Commandment because he knew. He knew that for us to be successful in fulfilling his Great Commission, we would first have to be successful in fulfilling his Great Commandment. I hope that makes sense. So that's what we're going to look at today. The title of this morning's message is Love, the Greatest Commandment. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. So Father, your, your word is alive and it's active. And we pray now, um, give us ears to hear it. Make it come alive in a fresh new way. Maybe we've known this story. We've heard it. We, we know it. We think we know it all. But we don't. Show us something fresh. Give us maybe a different viewpoint, a different angle on, on a story that maybe uh, we, we didn't think of before, Lord. Um, if we can't use this stuff when we leave here, all this is is an old story in an old book. So send us out of here with this, with a fresh anointing, a fresh uh, empowerment um, to represent you well and, and to fulfill the first commandment you gave us, which is to love. Now, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, it starts out with Jesus teaching a parable about the owner of a vineyard and some evil farmers. And the Jewish leaders who were there listening to Jesus, they got ticked off at him because they, they realized he was referring to them. <laughs> they were the evil farmers. He said, wait a minute, is he talking about us? He's talking about you. No, he's talking about you. No, he's talking about us. Hey, he is talking about us. So they're, they're pretty upset with him. And then some of the Pharisees, they tried to trap Jesus into saying something that they could have him arrested for. They were always, always after that. They asked him about paying taxes. And as usual, Jesus knew they were trying to trick him. 
And the Bible says that Jesus' answer amazed them. They were amazed at his answer. He holds up a Roman coin with Caesar's face on it, and he tells them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Boom, right? Once again, Jesus ate their lunch. But it says they were amazed. They were amazed at his answer. They hated it, but they, they were amazed. And then the other religious group, the Sadducees, they stepped up for their turn. They thought they, they could trick Jesus. Now, the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection after death. So they asked Jesus a trick question about marriage, right? And, and I won't go into that, but Jesus promptly points out the flaws in their question and their way of thinking. Boom again. The score, Jesus 2, religious leader, was zero. So that brings us to our scriptures this morning in Mark 12. And again, Father, here we are. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from heaven this morning. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's continue with what happens next. Mark 12, verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of religious law, some call them scribes, professional theologians, Jewish record keepers, they knew the scriptures better than most everybody else. So one of the scribes, or one of the teachers of religious law, was standing there listening to this discussion taking place. And the Bible says, and he realized that Jesus had answered well. You hear that? Not many of these guys agreed with anything that Jesus had to say, but this guy realized Jesus answered well. He's thinking, man, this Jesus guy, he really knows what he's talking about. So he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And look how Jesus answers him in verse 29, 30, and 31. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment, this is Jesus now, no other commandment is greater than these. So let's hold it right there. This, this scribe, this teacher of the law, he just witnessed this dispute between Jesus and the Sadducees, and he decided that Jesus was a wise teacher. Jesus answered well when he was asked these tricky questions. And, and I believe just by reading that, that this guy sincerely wanted to know. He wasn't trying to trick him, just what, really wanted to know what commandment is the most important. Now keep this in mind, at the time, the Jews had accumulated over 600 laws. One historian counted 613 laws. 613 laws. Good luck trying to keep all them. Aren't you glad Jesus' covenant of grace is the better covenant? And I didn't say that. Hebrews chapter 8 describes the new covenant as superior, superior to the old one. Don't take my word for it. Hebrews 8 verse 6 says, a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Did you hear that? A far better covenant with God based on better promises. Thank you, Jesus. And good luck if you're legalistic and you're trying to live under the old law, all 613 of them. Good luck with that. No, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your superior covenant of grace. But this teacher of religious law was, was wanting Jesus to resolve this disputed issue because some of the Pharisees believed that the laws of sacrifices were the most important. 
And this teacher here is Jesus quoting to him from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love, you, you must love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Do you know anybody who loves the Lord like that? Because I don't. I wish I could stand up here and tell you, yep, that's me. I'm that guy. That's how much I love the Lord. I could tell you that, but I'd be lying to you. I wish it was true, but it's not. Am I the only one who feels like that? I hope not. But what Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy here was known to the Jews as the Shema. It's a Hebrew word meaning to hear. The Shema is, is a prayer recited by Jews worldwide during their morning and evening prayer times. And it's basically expressing the essence of their faith in God. He's the one and only Lord. So these Jews were very familiar with the words that Jesus is quoting because they prayed him. They prayed these words every morning and every evening. And notice this teacher of religious law, he asked Jesus for only one commandment, right? The most important one, but Jesus answers with two. And both of them are dominated by the same requirement, to love, right? To love. I heard someone say, you know what? If you really love God with all your heart and, and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, if you love God like that, you can pretty much do anything else you want to do. I thought, hmm, would you agree with that? Because as Jesus says, the one who loves me will obey my commands. So we're not going to disobey. We're not going to rebel against Jesus' commands if we really love him like that. Anyone who loves the Lord with that kind of passion will do what is right, or at least they should, because you wouldn't want to do otherwise if you truly love God that much. And I thought, well, maybe that's part of our problem. Maybe that's part of my problem. We, we don't really love God that much. Could that be? We wouldn't want to admit to that, but come on, he knows. We, sh we should never base his love for us by our love for him, because his love is way, way beyond how we love him. So this teacher, he asked Jesus for the one commandment. That's the most important, and Jesus answered with two, and he says, no other commandments. No other commands greater than these. And look how this teacher of the law responds to Jesus in verse 32 and 33. This is great. The teacher of religious law replied, well said, teacher. Like, good job, Jesus. That was really good. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know. Now, this is a religious leader. He said, I know it's important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbors as myself. This, get this now, this is one of them religious guys. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required by the law. That's quite something. Let's hold it right there. Th this teacher of the law he wasn't trying to arouse a dispute. He wasn't trying to stir up a controversy. He wasn't even trying to, to start a religious argument with Jesus. 
switch to my next book. He wanted to know what Jesus had to say. And he agreed with Jesus' answer, didn't he? He even repeated what Jesus said and told him he was right. He agreed completely with Jesus on this. And Jesus wasn't used to that, that kind of response from any of the teachers of religious law. They were always against him. And this guy even knew it was more important to love God and to love others than it was to make sure you kept all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And he thinks of Jesus as this excellent teacher. Didn't call him Messiah. Didn't call him Savior. Excellent teacher. And Jesus is impressed with this guy. Look how he answers the guy in verse 34. Realizing this man's understanding, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And this is funny. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. They're dead. I, no, we're not going to ask him another question. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And Jesus is thinking, this guy gets it. He really gets it. Now, let's think about what Jesus told this teacher of the law. Basically, two things. You must love God, and you must love others, right? That used to be, I don't know if it still is the mission statement or tagline associated with the Vineyard Church. Love God, love people, that's all. That's what I always saw with the, from the Vineyard. And that's what Jesus is telling his teacher of religious law and what he's telling every one of us this morning. You want to know what the greatest commandment is? You want to know what the most important one is? It's a two-parter. Love God and love others. And those two commandments basically summarize all of God's laws. He said that, I didn't. Nothing more important than these two. Most of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments. I don't know how many of us could recite them in order, from one to ten. The commandments that God wrote on those stone tablets he gave to Moses. Now he writes on our hearts. But these two commandments that Jesus gives us in, in Mark's Gospel covers all ten. Look at the first four of the ten commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. These four commandments address our relationship with God. This is between us and God. Now let's look at the last six of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. Some Bibles say bear false witness. You shall not covet. Now think back to the answer that Jesus gave the teacher of the religious law. Because if we really, really obey those two commandments, we won't break any of these. Ten, right? Not sure? The first four address our relationship with God, and the last six address our relationship with each other. Yeah? Listen, our relationships with each other should reflect our relationship with God, right? We can't say we love God if we don't love others. Now, I know there are certain people that are toxic to us, and, and we, we, we're, we're better off not inviting them over for Thanksgiving dinner. But let's not say, oh, I love God, I love the Lord, and, and, and not love other people. And in everything Jesus said to this guy, this teacher, this scribe, there was one statement that really stood out to me. Maybe it stood out to you, too. It was part of verse 34. 
Jesus told the man, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And he's telling this guy, yes, man, you're getting it. You understand what I'm teaching. Not many do, but you get it. You're not trying to trick me. You're, you're not trying to argue with me. You're, you're, you're not far from the kingdom of God, brother. You're not far. Now, this teacher, he seems to be a man of integrity. He seems to be really sincere. But we know being sincere is not enough. Right? The Apostle Paul was sincere back when he was Saul of Tarsus. He was very sincere when he was rounding up Christians, arrested them, and put them to death. He was sincere. So being sincere isn't enough. But I would think it's better to be close to the kingdom instead of far, far away from the kingdom, right? Because my thinking is if someone is not far from the kingdom of God, there's a greater likelihood they'll take those last few steps, <laughs> enter into the kingdom. If, he, if they're not far from the kingdom, at least that would be the hope, right? I hope so. The likelihood is better. But hey, a man who drowns in a few feet away from the shore is just as dead as a man who drowns in the middle of the ocean. And this teacher of the law, he seemed faithful in loving God, loving others. He seemed faithful in observing the laws and burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And his sincere faithfulness to these things, I believe, brought him closer, near to the door of the kingdom. So maybe we'll say, well, it's still better to be near the kingdom than a long way away from it. Because there's a greater chance he'll enter in if he's near instead of far. See, a person trying to escape the harsh persecution of North Korea that I mentioned earlier, they get really close to the border of South Korea and, and their freedom is maybe a few feet away right? But if he gets shot and killed five feet away from that South Korean border, he was almost in, but he missed it. Almost there, but he missed it. Almost in, but, but not in. Is this making sense? <laughs> Good, I hope so. It, it made sense at midnight last, last night when I was working on it, so I hope nothing's lost in the translation here. Any, anyway, not far from the kingdom is still not in the kingdom, when the Apostle Paul stood before the Roman King Agrippa, this is in the 26th chapter of the book of Acts. It's not on the screen. But he was defending his faith, his faith in Jesus to this Roman King Agrippa. And Paul boldly asked this Roman King, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And they said, I know you do. I know you do. It is what Agrippa says to Paul. Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul, Paul said, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am. In other words, a believer. But the king said, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to do that? So was King Agrippa close to becoming a Christian? As he listened to Paul, it was beginning to make sense to him. Was he not far from the kingdom of God? 
man, the sad truth is that we can be so close, very close to the kingdom, but still remain out of it. And this teacher of religious law in Mark chapter 12, he admired Jesus. But admiring Jesus isn't enough either, is it? I mean, this man's admiration of Jesus fell a little short of a loyal, obedient faith that comes from a heart that's truly surrendered to Christ. So he was either unwilling or he wasn't ready to make that complete surrender of himself to Jesus as Savior and Lord. There's a lot of people like that today. Some are even in church because it makes them feel better. But they're not willing. They're, they're, they're not ready. They're, they're just not surrendering. They still want to control their own destiny. They still want to make all the decisions, call their own shots. They just can't receive it by faith. And this, this teacher of the law, he may not have been willing to openly profess to become a true disciple of Christ. And we don't know if he did or not. I hope he did. But see, his intellectual convictions needed to shift from his head and influence his heart to change his life. You know anyone like that? It's just too intelligent to, to believe by faith. I have a, a brother-in-law. He was a science teacher for years. He's retired now, but you got to prove stuff to him. There's got to be a scientific principle, a formula that, that makes sense. He just can't take it by faith. And his teacher of law was near the kingdom, but not yet in. So let's remember, not far from the kingdom means still outside the kingdom. And why do people choose to remain not far from the kingdom, but still not in the kingdom. They may be believe a lot what they're hearing, but they just, no thanks. See, the gospel message offers every one of us immediate entrance into the kingdom. And it includes the blessings and the promises of God to all and everyone who will believe and enter in, Right? Romans 10.9 tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's not the word of Bob. That's the word of the Lord. You will be saved. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. See, to be almost saved or close to being saved is not being saved at all. To be almost saved is still totally lost. So I'll close this out. I'm going to read some lyrics to an old hymn. I don't, I don't even know who wrote it, but uh, I saw this written down somewhere. And then we'll close with prayer and open up the front if anybody needs to be ministered to. Remember next Sunday to pizza lunch. Sign up if you haven't already. Come, bring somebody with you. And let, let's try to start closer to 1030 than 11, okay? I mean, I know that's on me. Uh, I, I need to do a better job of that. But this song, this old hymn, it makes me think, of Jesus' words to this teacher of the religious law when he said, you're not far. You're not far from the kingdom of God. It makes me think of the words of King Agrippa to the Apostle Paul when he said, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And the song, the name of the song is Almost Persuaded. And it says, almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive Seems now some soul to say, go, spirit, go thy way. Some more convenient day on thee I will call. 
almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers rise from hearts so dear. Oh, wanderer, come. Oh, be persuaded, Christ never fails. Oh, be persuaded, his blood avails. Can save from every sin, cleanse you without, within. Will you not let him in? Open the door. Oh, be persuaded. Now, maybe you or someone you know is almost persuaded. They're not there yet, but they're coming. And that's what I want to believe. Instead of calling people unbelievers or non-believers, I like to call them pre-believers. That sounds a little bit more encouraging. They're not there yet, but they're coming. And we all know people like that. We're related to people like that. They're almost persuaded to enter into the kingdom to say yes to Jesus. So let's close this out by taking some time and pray. Pray for, for you or pray for the other person because the Bible says today's the day of salvation. And maybe we can just be an encourager, not, not to be obnoxious. Christians can be really obnoxious sometimes when they're witnessing to people. And all that ever did to me was just push me further away. Speak the truth, but speak it in love, right? There's that old saying that truth without love kills. Grace, I can beat you over the head all day with the word of God, but if there's no love, it's just going to kill your spirit, right? It's, it's not going to draw you. So we want to speak the truth in love because truth without love kills, but on the flip side of that is truth. No, love, love without truth lies. So we want to love people. We don't want to lie to them. Oh, you want to get drunk and have sex with your girlfriend? Yeah, it's okay. God loves you. Oh, you want to do this? You want to do that? Yeah, it's okay. No, it's not okay. So we don't want to lie to people, but we don't want to kill them either. We want to speak the truth in love. Uh, so, it would be tragic to be not far from the kingdom of God and yet never enter in. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. We'll pray. If you want prayer, I, I'll pray for you up here. Or pray where you are. Pray for somebody. If the feel the Lord gave you a word for somebody or a prompting something in your spirit that you want to share, by all means. We welcome the prophetic word here. We, we don't want personal opinions, but just something from God. God speaks all the time. So, Father, we thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you for this, this story of this uh, teacher of the law questioning Jesus and, and, and Jesus telling him, this is the greatest commandment, love. We want to fulfill all these other things, all these other stuff, not that they're wrong, but they're not as important as you said, not me, you said, love, the most important one, to love God and love others. Man, it doesn't sound like it should be that hard, and yet it's a struggle every day. Sometimes it's a struggle moment by moment. So help us, strengthen us, let us love more, let us Love with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds and all our strengths. Oh, if we could love like that, because you love us like that. You showed the depth of your love by taking our punishment and going to the cross in our place. 
And you put us here. You, you gave us this assignment. But before we can fulfill the Great Commission, I think we need to work on fulfilling the Great Commandment, and that's to love. Help us to do a better job of that. Bring us back next Sunday. Let us enjoy a, a lunch together after worship and, and just uh, lead, guide, and direct us through the week. Show us somebody that needs to be encouraged today, somebody that is struggling, somebody that uh, maybe is angry, somebody's mad at the world, Lord. We don't want to complicate it. We don't want to make matters worse, but give us divine wisdom before we even open our mouths. Sometimes all we have to do is pray for that person without them even knowing. But Lord, you're so good. Thank you for everyone here and the families represented, and I pray a special blessing over them as, as they go their separate ways, Lord. May your peace go with them as Jehovah Shalom. May your peace go with them in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen and amen.